Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. I'm going to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their communities. I'm going to do that by having conversations, I'm going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? My guest today is one that I'm really excited to have on. I've been watching his YouTube videos for years. Uh, as most of you know, I have a crippling uh, pocket knife addiction. Uh, anything that has an edge on it, I like to buy it uh, and spend too much money on it most of the times. But uh, the guy that helps me do that the most uh, is Mr. Jared Neve on YouTube. So Mr. Jared, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Very well, man. I uh, like I said, it's it's super awesome to have you on the computer with me because I, I spend hours upon hours watching you do your knife thing on YouTube. Uh, I appreciate so, you having me. Yeah, yes, sir. So, Jared, uh, let's go ahead and hop right into it. What is your purpose, sir? Um, so that that's a tough question. Um, but uh, but I would say I I am religious, so you know I do believe in God, and I think um, I think that's definitely a purpose, but. I believe in hard work and strong men and men helping build and maintain society. And I think um, that that's very important for, for men in general to just be as tough and as strong as possible and to help those around them. Because I think without us, our, our society crumbles. So I think that's a good purpose for any man is, you know, to just uh, build a strong community and to be an asset to the community, you know, that's awesome. No, I really, I really appreciate that. And uh, something that I think you and I are going to get into uh, later in the episode is uh, the multitude of ways to do that. Uh, just how many different ways that you never would have thought of uh, to do that. And one thing, you know, one way that you're doing that is by creating a, a community of, of strong men uh, in the knife world. And that's something that we will talk about after kind of the rapid fire questions. But um, I'm super excited to have you on because, you know, this is not your, it, it, you may tell me I'm wrong, but, you know, I know you get to, into some of these topics in your streams, but yeah. it's so cool to have somebody that uh, does it differently, uh, you know, come into this setting and, uh, and, and help us uh, kind of see things from a different perspective. So again, I really appreciate having you on. Yeah, man. for it's sure. So cool Absolutely. Here, so. Absolutely. Um, so I have some rapid fire. So like I said, huh? most of my audience, sure. they know, uh, I talk about it quite a bit, but I love pocket yeah. knives. So um, yeah. we're going to talk pocket knives for a little bit. Um, right. So this is a segment that I've created called in your pocket. This is you walk up and you have two options. Uh, you're going to go out for a normal day, uh, nothing out of the ordinary. We're not chopping bricks in half. We're not cutting, you know, food. Uh, it's just a normal day. EDC, you're going to be cutting boxes, doing whatever you do on a normal day. Uh, you got to pick between the two. So the first option is a Hogue Deca or a Bug Out? Deca. Deca. As long as it has original goat scales. I actually have one sitting okay. right next to me. <laughs> that's awesome as long as it's got the original goat scales which if anybody for the people that don't know it's just aftermarket scales so the handle um you can take the handles off from the factory and put aftermarket uh handles on it like titanium and aluminum and things like that that's cool is it is it a requirement so if you've got a g10 uh deca or an frn bug out uh does that kind of even the playing field I would say if you have the FRN one, it's an absolute must Like you have to do it. But if it's, if yeah. you have the G10, you could get by with the G10. Those are a little bit more rigid and solid, 
but the FRN are just they're too flexible and they they don't feel as strong and as sturdy as the knife actually is. And I'm not saying it's weak. I'm just saying once you put the other scales on there, it actually feels as tough as it is and even tougher. That's awesome. So next choice is a a Griptilian or a PM3. Well, that's tough. Uh, it, it would definitely matter about what I'm doing, but uh, probably the pair of three. Uh, uh, Spiderco does a lot better heat treats than, than most companies. So you're going to get the good steel with them and they have better cutting geometry too. So if it's like mostly EDC purposes and slicing, I'm going to use the Spiderco. If it's more tougher, hard use stuff, then probably the Benchmade. That's awesome. Uh, and then last one, this one isn't, isn't very, uh, equivalent. I had a hard time coming up with this dichotomy, but, uh, the two knives that came into mind were like really hard, tough use. Uh, and I had put a Sabenza and an XM 18 down. Uh, probably, oh man. So I'm going to pick the Sabenza mostly because, cause I honestly like hinders a little better than Chris Reeves, but their heat treat is just so much better on Chris Reeves and hinders hinder they're really robust and really hard use knives which is awesome but they tend to run their steels uh from my experience just a little bit softer and chris reeves or tim reeves because tim reeves took over chris reeves you know that's his dad um right they um he's uh really worked on increasing his heat treat and making it better so like it's just uh it's been a massive improvement so i would pick it for that reason but but to be honest i do like the the action and everything of the the hinders a little bit more sweet awesome and then uh this is just going to be two steels you just have to pick uh if you could have one knife so only one knife which steel would you have it in between these two steels uh the first one is crewware and m4 crewware crewware why is that well crewware is it has a lot of the attributes that i love in a steel one it's extremely tough and a lot of people don't even realize how tough that steel is and it holds a really good edge too but what it does do very very well is it holds a very fine edge for a long time so like in uh like cutting we have a couple terms like like say there's fine edge and then working edge the fine edge would be like how well can it whittle hair or, or cleanly cut through paper, right? Cleanly cut through paper. And how long can you cut until it'll stop cutting through paper cleanly? That would be the fine edge. A working edge would just be, or I guess it'd be the working edge would be cutting cleanly through paper. And then fine edge would be like shaving hair. So right. how long can you cut until it stops shaving hair would be fine edge. And then how long can you cut something like cardboard or rope or something like that until it stops shaving paper cleanly and what crewer does is it um, holds a fine edge really really well now it doesn't hold a working edge very long but what that gives you the ability to do is put incredibly sharp edges on your knife and then it hold and stay really really sharp for a long time that's awesome and then the uh the last uh dichotomy i've got here is m390 versus magnicut um, well, I mean, just like with any steel, it's going to depend on the heat treat, but I would say magna cut all day, especially if it's heat treated, uh, to a proper HRC, because most companies doing M390 are not doing it justice. The, the few that are, it, it's really, really good, but magna cut has, it's an incredible steel. It really is. So one, it is very, very stain resistant, almost like impervious. 
and then it's super duper tough and it's one steel that with hardness like as the harder it goes it gets tougher actually most steels the harder it gets the more brittle it gets the softer it is the tougher it is that steel actually the harder it gets it actually increases its toughness now there's a line of which it you know starts dropping off but it has the ability to take um a high hrc um, the, like right now, I think the, the sweet spot is like 63, 64 HRC and, um, and yeah, it's just an incredible steel, but M390, a lot of the companies, um, they don't do it as well as they could because it was never intended to be mass produced. Okay. That makes sense. And I know Microtech does their own thing. Was it like MK90 yeah, or something like that? Yeah, I'm, I actually have some of that in my pocket right now. I'm testing that right now. I'm going to be doing an edge retention test and I'm going to compare it to regular M390. They say it holds an edge a little bit longer. We'll see. That's awesome, man. No, that's awesome. Last question I've got for you on the, uh, the nerding out with knives. Uh, last question I've got is what is your number one grail? So number one grail, and if you have it, uh, what's next? So with grails, I, you know, it's tough for me because I think I would probably say probably something from like Brian Nadeau or uh, Peter Rassenti, something like that, which are very, for those of you that don't, don't know, it's thousands of dollars for one of those knives. So they're very, very expensive. Now I have production versions from some of those guys, but but not none of their customs, which are will be made in the USA and are done to a very, very high level. So I would say those. And then what would be after that? I mean, once you step into that realm, you're in the custom realm. So like the I don't have really any real customs. Most of my knives are high end production. And, you know, with high end production, you still have a lot of hand work, a lot of hand finishing. So it, it's on it's like mid techs, basically mid techs is where it's like. Uh, a lot of CNC, but then a lot of handwork as well. Uh, when you get down to when you get to customs, it's almost all handwork. Even if there is some CNC, they're doing a lot of handwork. So that's why the price is up so high. But uh, but yeah, I, you know, I guess uh, just staying in the the custom realm. Once once you step foot in there, man, it's there's almost no coming back because there's so many great custom makers and a lot of people buy the the maker more than the knife. Meaning like they support the maker so much and they like what the maker's doing so much. And they're such a nice guy and they get to meet them and you know, everything else at like shows and stuff. So it makes it to where they, they want to support those, those people because they are great people. The whole knife community is an amazing community. That's awesome, man. No, uh, my, uh, I'm not even in the realm of customs yet. I think my, Me neither. I'm not either, man, <laughs> too rich in my blood, but I've, but I've handled, lots of them i've gotten to experience them and if you ever go to blade shows like you really get to experience them but high-end production even just regular production is is a great place to be anybody joining like like people will be scared like like as if if they join the knife community that they have to be you know like getting customs or anything like that you don't have to spend more than 50 dollars on a knife and still be an asset to the knife community because there are so many incredible knives from every price range you know, there's mm -hmm. obviously a level of which you want to stay away from, you know, like yeah. <laughs> the Gerber, things like that. But but once you find out like where your money is the best spent or well spent, then you uh, you wind up getting a whole different experience because you wind up getting way better quality knives for your for the money you would have spent on something that's absolute crap. Yeah, the uh, the gas station knives, as we all like to call them. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. 
So no, that's cool, man. Uh, let's talk about, Oh, I was going to say, I think, uh, I'm still, my grill is right now in Aris. Every time I see the Koenig, um, pop up on Instagram, I'm like, I'm, I've got to have that one day. I've Uh, had a few of a bunch of them in for sharpening. They are an amazing, an amazing knife that that is probably like, that's one of the highest level of production knives you can get to in the U S side. And it's probably the, the most demanded yeah i i did i almost grabbed one there was a there was a guy selling one on instagram i didn't have the cash for it but he only wanted he only wanted like 625 for it or something like that yeah. mm-hmm. and i don't have the cash for it i mean i've got so many other things i could spend 625 dollars on but it's the first time i've ever seen one for sale and uh, it yeah. tempted me pretty hard it tempted me you know hard. where you'll you'll see them pop up on naf sale sometimes there was actually one really? the other day. Yeah, there was one of those and then the MSI. And I think it was going for about 650 bucks. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Uh, you had made a comment moving on. You had made a comment about uh, being an asset to the knife community. That's mm-hmm. something that you and I had kind of talked about before we hit record. Uh, and your purpose is, you know, helping big build uh, strong men uh, that, you know, strong, tough men uh, through community. Tell me a little bit about your experience in developing uh, what you call uh, the knife community or, or your se- your sector of the knife community? So, um, I mean, as far as like the knife community, I think um, like there's, a, there's so many great people that support each other and there's a lot of people with lots of channels. So, I, but it's more than that. Like there's, you know, all the people that watch and everything, like they, they support, they come to lives and it because you wind up making a lot of friends and I've made a lot of, great friends like i'm about to go to blade show here in a few weeks and i we have a whole house we're staying with a whole bunch of people stasa 23 will be there super still steve um bam knife guy a bunch of other people like it's gonna be amazing um so i mean it's i think you could do this with any community but i do think that if there's any guys out there you know that are looking for a community check out the knife community just do it just check it out because you wouldn't believe how incredible it is and there are so many people that show up to the knife community not even expecting to join and not even interested in knives and they they find a place for them right it it makes a place for for somebody looking for a community that you know where you can have like almost a brotherhood in a way where you have people that that not only communicate with you and encourage you and have your back but you know you can you can wheel and deal and trade and then we support each other too like i couldn't tell you how many times one of us has had a problem and we've done things to help them you know um but um but no i think um like with me, I have a, a pretty unique story of a pretty unique history before I ever started doing a channel. And so I shouldn't even be here. Like you, YouTube is like the literally the last thing I should be doing right now. And I never would have thought in a million years that I'd be doing YouTube. So. Yeah, man. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me about how you, uh, kind of grew up um i'm gonna steal this from uh from g3 it's another podcast that uh not really sister podcast but we work closely together uh they always ask you know where have you been where are you at and where are you going so uh, let's focus on where have you been how did you get to be um where you are now okay um well i grew up in the chicago area um just north of downtown chicago right next to or in north chicago waukegan and zion illinois and grew up in poor neighborhoods, bad neighborhoods, projects, um, and wound up uh, basically 
living a life doing just crime. Like, and I, I always did construction. So I, my family all does construction. So I did construction for like two decades, it, but, um, but everybody I knew, everybody that surrounded me was involved in crime in some way, shape or form. So it's just the way I was shaped, you know? And, um, you know, a lot of influence with my dad and my dad, like getting me into it. And my dad was an awesome human being, but, but, uh, he was a gangster though. So, you know, I just, basically lived the lifestyle that I was taught and my dad wound up getting paralyzed and he was Oof. hit by a backhoe on the job site. And I took care of him for like the next 13 years and, um, went through a lot of struggles, lots of ups and downs, um, everything you could imagine. I couldn't even go through everything. Um, and, uh, wound up uh, eventually, um, getting addicted to drugs and became an addict for a few years and, lost everything everything i had built and i had built a lot like i was doing really well beforehand and then i wound up losing everything losing everything and um wanted by the cops running from the cops and uh eventually getting caught going to jail and um not for long or anything and wound up uh, on probation for a couple years and that's when i turned everything around because I was just sick of being in and out of jail, in and out of jail. I was sick of the addiction, everything. So I um, got sober and uh, continued working hard, but then I wound up starting the channel. And the channel originally was kind of something I always knew I wanted to take it somewhere, but I know like in a way it was a way for me to focus on something because at the time, you know, getting away from like literally an entire lifestyle that I was used to and changing every fiber of my being like everything from my habits to to the things i enjoy literally everything my whole life had to be reshaped and once i did that you know the youtube wound up being a place for me to learn because i had never did anything on the computers before i've never i'd never did anything i i didn't even know how to work instagram so i had to learn everything and learn how to upload, edit, all this stuff. So it gave me something to do. Same thing with the knife community with uh, like knife sharpening and stuff. Knife sharpening gave me something to 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 be passionate about and something to uh, basically deep dive into and forget about everything else and focus on that. And it became basically like a therapy for me. Um, but, uh, but, you know, same thing with the channel and you know, just nonstop work. And I've always been like a super hard worker. And I've always been like the type, like to be like the hardest worker in the, in the building. Like I've always been very um, proud of that. You know, my dad taught me to be that way. Like if you're going to be on the job site, be the hardest worker, be an asset, right? You don't want to be the one looking at your phone or the one that nobody goes to for help. You want to be the guy people rely on. Right. So, you know, with the channel, I just did the exact same thing. I just put through everything into it. You know, I was working at the time too. So I was working, getting off of work and then doing like another six to eight hours working on the channel every day, every day for, for a long time. And then eventually I was making good money and it got to a point to where I was making more money than I was making at the job. So I wound up losing more money going to work. So I wound up having to quit my job and I did that for like five months. I didn't just like one month I made money and then I stopped I, about five, six months of losing money. I decided to quit my job and go full time with YouTube. That's that is so much more than what I expected. Uh, getting you <laughs> getting you on the channel. Um, yeah. That is wow, man. I, I hadn't and maybe I hadn't listened to enough lives or something like that, but I had no clue. 
um that you had a story like that and one that uh is is rather inspirational um it it lights a fire in me uh just hearing that uh so i can't even imagine what uh, it's going to do for my audience let's talk a little bit um let's go back to this uh if you don't mind, if we talk a little bit about the, uh, talk the about whatever you want, I'm, I'm here. Sweet. I'm going to talk about um, whatever you want. Let's talk about, uh, breaking that addiction and give me a little bit of a, uh, give me a little bit of a synopsis of, um, the ways that you thought it was holding you back and, and what it took to recognize that was it simply the jail time or, um, how, how were you able to recognize, uh, the, the level of detriment that the addiction was doing to you and what really caused the switch. So, so when, when I was, by the way, I was addicted to heroin. So when you're, when you're addicted and it wasn't just heroin, you know, opiates in general, and this goes for anybody addicted to pills or whatever, it gets to a point to where it's like you're drowning, right? Because every time you do the drug, it's like you get oxygen again, right now you can breathe. But after a few hours, the stuff's going to start wearing off and you're going to start withdrawing and going through withdrawals. It's literally, it's like drowning. Like right now, if I started drowning you, what would you do to get air? Right. Think about this. Really, really think about this. If I was drowning you, what would you do to get air? You do anything, anything. And that's the way addiction is. And that's why a lot of people wind up doing horrible things and hurting their family, hurting everybody around them, because it's not about that. It's literally, you. it's about survival. And so it winds up, um, you know, it goes downhill very quickly. And I was always the type, like I was always so strong and like able to maintain it for a long time without showing it or anything like that. But then eventually, no matter what, it's always going to catch up to you. And I mean, I literally, I lost everything. Um, like I could literally go on and on about the things I lost. Uh, which is just crazy but then obviously you know jail it's you know it's it's a huge um influence to 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 stay out of trouble but it also i was in and out of jail my whole life so it was like it was a big deal doing it was a big deal and i wound up becoming a felon and uh my whole life i wasn't a felon though even though i had been in that jail for petty stuff i wasn't a felon so after becoming a felon it really woke me up because if i messed up again I was going to go to prison, right? And prison is different than jail for anybody who doesn't know. So you can go to jail for like, you know, up to like a year. And if you go longer then they're going to put you in prison. And I was on a straight trajectory to prison. Like no matter what, I was going to wind up in prison if I didn't change. So it was either stop and stop fucking around and, and get my stuff together or I can cuss, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. You're good. Um, either stop fucking around or or go to prison, and it's like the choice is yours. And and I honestly thought I was going to wind up going to prison because I continued to push it as as far as I could, which I I can't even believe. Like now, think looking back, and I could tell you some stories of things that I pushed to the limit so much that it's amazing that I'm even here. And you know, besides that though, like I always lived a crazy lifestyle. Like I said, like before I ever even started doing drugs, like you know, I've done crime my whole life uh everybody i knew uh, i've seen everything you could imagine like i couldn't even tell you all the things i've seen from people being murdered to just everything I've had people die in my arms uh, just about everything so it's like my lifestyle was always so crazy i was always somebody who was very high tolerant to crazy you know like it was just the normal so um 
but but with addiction like i was never i was always kind of against it so when when i wound up becoming addicted it was so embarrassing to be you know that deep and to be that type of person because i wound up becoming somebody who who i don't respect right because even though like i did crazy shit my whole life i was still an asset to my friends like i was like like my friends could rely on me no matter what 100% of the time uh, to never fuck them over to always take care of them always be there and vice versa even today, I have friends I could call up on a drop of a dime and they'll do whatever I need. Um, and, and I believe in that. And I believe in being a strong friend and a strong asset. But it got to the point to where I stopped being that. And that's when like it really, really started bothering me because now I'm not the person I was, you know, or the person I've always respected about myself, you know, because I've always, even though I did crime, like I always still held myself to a high standard of you know friends and things like that because think about it, when you're doing shit like that you better have a good team around you otherwise you're going to play <laughs> yeah. real quick right so you got to have people you can trust around you and you know and there is a level of which things are petty or when things are a little bit more serious and i guess i try to hold myself to a little bit more of a serious standpoint or standard i know it's kind of hard to wrap your head around because when people think crime they think you know um, everything bad, which it is, it absolutely is, but there's still levels of which, you know, you're, you take care of the community, you take care of the people around you, everybody relies on you, you're helping everybody, you know, and they come to you for help and, and you're always taking care of everybody, you know? So. Yes, sir. No, I, man, this is, this is a lot. Um, you know, you talked about holding a standard, which is something that it, it's so funny because literally the show I'm in right now, have you seen Better Call Saul? Better Call Saul? Yeah. No, but I'll check it out. It's like a spinoff of Breaking Bad. You know, Saul Goodman. Oh, okay. Breaking okay. Bad. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's all about this, uh, this ambiguity between right, wrong, you know, crime, law, moral, good, moral, bad. And right. so I'm, I'm going to table the fact that even though you were involved in what we would all consider morally bad things, that you still had a standard um, yeah. of, of the way that you behaved. And I think that, you know, doing some pop psychology, which um, I don't really want to, like, I'm not a psychologist, but you know, I think having that standard is probably what saved you from going down even deeper uh, to where you couldn't recover. Um, so yeah. I'm going to table standard. Another thing that um, I'm trying to wrap my head around all this because <laughs> I had a plan for where I was going to go and now I don't. Um, I guess one thing that I've, wing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> we can. Uh, <laughs> what one thing I've always admired you for, uh, particularly, is the way that you involve uh, your wife in what you do. Um, so we're big on marriage here at the purpose podcast. I have a whole series, uh, about marriage called one flesh it, yeah. episodes every Wednesday. Um, I love talking to people about their marriages and that's, yeah. like I said, something I've admired from you is that, you know, you make sure she's involved. Y'all have a common interest. Uh, you're always respectful towards her. You always seem to honor it. She is your wife, correct? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, you always seem to honor your wife. Uh, where did she come in, uh, in that, in that journey, where did she come in? Did she help pull you out? Did you have to get yourself right before she was able to, to, to no, come into the situation? Met, we actually met when I was at my worst. We actually met when I was at my worst and, um, and we wound up uh, getting sober together. 
So she was always like a good girl, but she obviously she went down a bad path too. And um, we wound up uh, meeting at like, I guess you could say the worst time, but it also became the best time because like from the day we met, we never separated. Like we were always stuck at the hip from the day we met. But, um, but no, I think it's important to, uh, for any, any man, you know, especially if you're masculine to have, you know, uh, feminine around you, you know, being like a woman or something. And I think it's, um, you know, that's the, the best man you can be is if you actually have, you know, a woman by your side, I think, and, and vice versa for a woman, right? I think a woman, it's important for her to have a masculine man next to him. And I think it uh, encourages us to do those good things because men, I think, need somebody to rely on them. They We need that. We have to have that. Yep. And if you don't have that, that's okay. Build yourself up so that you can have people rely on you. But eventually you need people to rely on you because you know, I hate to say it because if somebody, you know, if you guys don't have, you know, whoever's listening, doesn't have somebody relying on you, you're, you're not, you're not doing your duty because it is important. It is, it is a must for men to have people reliant on them. That is our job. That's our duty. Our duty is to protect, serve, and, you know, make our community stronger. So if we uh, don't have people relying on us, then what good are we doing? You know, what good are we doing for the community? So, I think it's uh, very important to to find people or get people to rely. And you can rely on people too, right? It's, it's It goes both hands, you know, just like with me and my wife, right? You know, um, I rely on her for things. She relies on me for things, but we're stronger because of it, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's an excellent point. And I think that to that point, if you're the only person that relies on you, like if you're only, you know, if your only obligation or your only purpose is to fulfill your own needs, typically what I see is that's where it goes into something that is truly detrimental, like the, uh, you know, the heroin. Uh, I I don't have any direct experience with that, but um, I do have a close family member, not really close, but uh, a close family experience um, Mm. with drugs uh, where, you know, it, unfortunately the drugs were more important than children at that point in time. Um, And, you know, yeah, having somebody rely on you is incredibly important. And that's why our focus here is kind of the purpose. And nine times out of 10, the purpose, when, when it's a good purpose, it has to do with other people. The purpose yeah. is serving other people in some, uh, in some way. And otherwise, so otherwise, who's otherwise you, it's easy to let yourself down, right? Yeah. If you don't, and that's why I always say too, like when you're going to do something or make a change or whatever, the people around you, you need to say it to, because it, it's easy to let yourself down, right? Like, like even if something easy, like say, if you say, I'm going to stop doing this, or I'm going to start doing this, whatever it is, you know, um, it's easy the next day if you don't do it, right? Because you're only letting yourself down. But if you look at everybody around you in the eye and you say, I'm doing this, well, then now tomorrow, when tomorrow comes, they're going to have to look at you, right? Mm-hmm. So either one, you are the person that that says he's going to do things and does it or two you're a guy who just says shit right yep and who wants to be a guy that just says shit you want to be a guy who's who's you know who's not only honest but is um it has motives to to do good things and to be better right and to make people around you better right because the more better sorry not more but the better you get the better the people around you are going to get that's awesome, man. Um, so let's talk about this standard that you had. Uh, you said you had a standard for, you know, I'm not going to let my friends down. I'm going to be the people that they can count on. I'm going to be the hardest worker. You said that came came from your dad. 
tell me some of those lessons that you may have learned early in life that reinforce that standard that, you know, e- even again, uh, you know, I-, I hate to rely too heavily on Better Call Saul, but uh, Mike Ehrmantraut, the, you know, one of the, you, I don't know if you'll know him from Breaking Bad, but he's one of the Gus Springs henchmen, basically. Right. Uh, he, uh, he says, look, I've known uh, good criminals and bad cops. Uh, and basically right. the idea is that, Same. you know, the one this the one qualifier is you know a standard and doing doing the deal the way the way it needs to be done and having some sort of moral code so what are some lessons that you learned early in life that kind of reinforced the necessity to have that standard well you got to understand my dad excuse me my dad is um he was a construction worker but like i said he was he was a gangster my dad was a um he's hard to wrap your head around if i if i sit here and explain him it'll it'll take hours but he was um like let me just tell you a couple stories because he's very hard to understand because like i said he's he's a whole nother species of human i tell stories about him all the time on the live you know just trying to help people understand you know who my father was but like at like the age of 13 he would like call me up and be in a shop across the street and have uh, men standing there and have me coming and fighting one of them for money <laughs> so like he could bid money on it um so like he would just call me up out of the blue and just be like hey get over here i got you gotta um i got somebody you need to fight and you know and at the time like there was many times i was terrified like what <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> scared shitless like i don't know what's about to happen i don't even know who he's talking about and he's just like nope get your shoes on get your ass over here and like, if I ask, like, well, who is it? It doesn't matter who the fuck it is. Get over here, right? Like, that's how he was. Because the way he looked at it was, you should never be scared to fight. Like, no matter what it is, like, always be willing to fight, always be willing to work hard, always be willing to do all that. So that's what he was trying to bring out of me. And like with the job sites and stuff, you know, he was he was known for being like the craziest one on the job site. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to pull anybody else into it, but. You know, I was constantly seeing, you know, like crazy things from violent things to, you know, um, criminal behaviors, I guess you could say, um, constantly my whole life since I was a child. So it wound up just becoming like a normal thing that I seen. And I always knew like that, you know, I was going to follow my dad's footsteps. So, you know, eventually when I got old enough, right, when I got old enough, now my dad could start using me, right, using me as um, as a tool. Right. So going and doing jobs, doing things that, um, you know, you can kind of, re- I'm, I'm sure anybody can imagine, you know, like what a family's like that, uh, that is like that, you know, like that's uh, kind of, I hate to use the word, but crime family, I guess you could say, you know, where yeah. you're, you're all kind of doing crime. So you rely on each other to do different things and to take care of certain people, right? Like I might get a phone call in the middle of the night to go take care of somebody, right? Maybe it's to, to, to go hurt somebody, you know, who knows? Uh, but that um that mentality right you you get it's almost like a wolf pack where you know like you have people like that are assets to you and you rely on them and they rely on you and if they called you it doesn't matter what time you're going to show up and vice versa right because um you know it's just the way it goes and we had such a large crew of people to rely on that um we always could get anything done you know like every and this is the thing is that i know i it probably sounds bad but so many people relied on us so many people like thousands of mm-hmm. people relied on us because we we got shit done and took care of people whether it was like construction stuff 
whether it was, you know, getting your power back on, whether it was, um, you know, if they were having problems with somebody, you know, or whatever, you know, like there's so many things, even like taking care of elderly, things like that. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of good involved too. It's kind of like, you know, anytime, like when you watch, you know, sometimes you watch movies, like, like, I guess you could say crime movies, you see how they treat people, right? You know, they pay these people, pay these people, take care of these people, you know, like they look like the good guy in the movie, even though, you know, they're the bad guy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So like, that's how my dad was. My dad was, he was a great guy, like the best guy in the world. But, but you knew if it was a movie, you know, he would be considered the bad guy, even though he was yeah. the best guy in the world. Like literally he'd give his shirt off his back to anybody. And I've watched him do it. I've watched him take care of everybody my whole life. So like, that was just a normal standard I had to live by was to, to take care of the people around me and make sure they're good even before myself. So, and, um, and, but you know, there's always, you know, other stuff involved. So, you know, like crime and stuff. So. Yeah, man, that's, uh, yeah, where do we, so let's talk about this grind. Um, I know you had kind of, you, you talked about it a little bit, how it kind of gave you a place to, uh, to get away. Well, actually, uh, where I want to go with that is it must have taken a lot of courage to uh, completely get away from some of that stuff. It must have taken a lot of courage to say, hey, this tight family unit, um, this, this, uh, how do I put it? I guess it is, is, it is a family, but, um, this inner society that, um, happens when you're operating outside of what we would call, uh, the the law in a place like, uh, you know, in a place like Chicago, um, it had to have taken a lot of courage to, to break outside of that. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience and any, any uh adversity that you may have faced saying hey look i'm gonna get right uh did you have anybody kind of resisting you on that uh were they all supportive what were some challenges in that as far as the community uh from the community standpoint of of stepping away well i I, i'll say if i didn't do it the way i did it 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 would have never worked but i separated myself so even though i didn't go far you got to get yourself away and you know shut off all the phones shut off all the connections to everybody like i didn't even see any of my family for probably a year uh because i i needed that time to to grow a new mind basically to get to get better and even when i felt like that i was ready to see my family and everything else i still didn't because i i I wanted to get to a point to where my brain is functioning in a different way and now like if i I couldn't tell you like how different my brain works than it did seven years ago, eight years ago. Um, I've been clean for seven years. So, um, but it, it's, it, it's definitely the biggest problem with anybody that, that's on addiction is, is the withdrawal part, right? It's the part of the withdrawal and being sick and feeling like you're going to die. And if you have the ability to go and, and, because like I said, the, the air part, right? Like getting oxygen, if you're drowning, you're going to do anything to get oxygen if you're drowning, anything, right? And, and anybody who thinks that they wouldn't, they're, they're just lying to themselves because they don't know. They don't, it's kind of like somebody, like if you're starving, right? The, what would you do to feed your child if it, the, your child is starving in front of you, right? If your child's literally starving in front of you, what are you going to do to get your child food? Anything, right? anything everybody says they're not a thief until that shit happens right you're gonna become a thief real fucking quick let me tell you you're gonna do anything it takes to feed your child 
right? Well, it's the same, that's the same way it is with, you know, with you and addiction. It's like, there's almost like, there's no, the levels of which you're willing to do and the things you're willing to do become worse and worse and worse in order to feed that addiction. And, uh, and yeah, I just had to separate myself, get away from everybody. And seen a doctor got on uh, medication, things like that. So I did do it the right way, but if I wouldn't have done it the way I did it, it totally wouldn't have worked. Like if I would have stayed connected to anybody, had a phone, anything like that, it wouldn't have worked. So I just did it the right way, I guess. And also like, so just to back up really quick, I was on probation. So I have, I was on intense probation. They wanted me to come and, and drop. They wanted me to come piss, you know, to get drug tested. They wanted to be able to show up randomly. They wanted me to go do community service. They wanted me to go to Nicasa. And I also had court. And this is every week I had to do this. So this is five, six things a week I have to do every week. And it gets to a point where it's like, you can't even work. Like, how do you work? How can you have a job and do that? Like, you can't tell your job, like, oh, got to go to Nicasa for three hours. Oh, I got to go drop right now. Like, it's very difficult. So they gave me so many loopholes to, or so many hoops to jump through. And it was nearly impossible. And when people say the system is made to keep you in it, it's not a joke. They, it really is. It's made to keep you in it. And that, that's yeah. just a fact. It is once you start, once you get in trouble and once you're in court and once you start going on that line, they, they make things extremely hard for you to succeed, right? Either one, you're going to do it so perfect that you're going to succeed or two, you're going to have one hiccup and it's going to end you in jail or end you locked back up. And I had already been down that road so many times and I was like on the line of which if I mess up, I, I'm going to prison. Like I, I, there's nothing, there's no way around it. And I was getting clean and doing drugs back to back. So I was like getting clean just long enough for a drug test and then doing drugs, getting clean just long enough for a drug test. So never long enough to get over withdrawals, but long enough that I could piss a clean test. And yep. because of that roller coaster of sickness, because when you're that sick, you know, to the point to where you're pissing clean it's so bad. Like your withdrawals are so bad. Like it, it's, you feel like you want to die. Like, so I got so sick of that. I got so sick of that feeling of like the scared, the, the fear, like the, the hunt of like trying to make sure I have something. And it's literally like they say, you know how they say a oh, monkey on your back, you know, you're yeah. carrying a monkey on your back. That's literally how it is. You constantly have to feed that monkey. No matter where you go, you have to worry about the monkey. You want to go eat? Nope. You got to worry about the monkey. You want to go to sleep? Nope. You got to worry about the monkey. It's never ending. So to get that off my back, like I wanted it so bad. And I think that's another thing that got me there was because I, I started hating it. I started despising it. And they say like, that's um one of the levels of which somebody will quit when they're so sick of it, they won't take it for another minute of another day. And I think that's where I was. Yeah. I, I, uh, Obviously, I can't sympathize to that level. I, d I don't have anywhere close to a story, but um, the one thing that I do have close was uh, weight loss. I had to um, finally change my lifestyle before I quit, you know, to, to stop gaining weight uh, and, and to be healthier. That's and it did awesome, just get man. to that. I, awesome. I appreciate Good that. Thanks, man. It's, it's nothing. It's, it's not compared to that. It was just a bunch of shitty choices in a row that, that, you no, know, but no, but I, I literally, changed, I, so. I, when I see people online, I see people online doing a weight journey, dude, it gives me fucking goosebumps because like, I know like the type of motivation that's got to go through your head 
to be willing to, it's almost like going into battle because you're, you're literally about to change everything about your lifestyle and your habits and, and actually exercise and things. And that's why I advocate for men to exercise too, because you're intentionally doing hard things. And I think that's important. I think it's so bad if you are intentionally avoiding hard things, this thing about how many people do that, everybody does that. Like something will be hard. It's like, I don't want to do that. It's difficult. Right. So then they'll go over to something else. that's easier. And it's like, we shouldn't do that. Don't avoid things because they're difficult. Do things because they're difficult. Literally do it and say, I'm going to do it because it's difficult. And if you get that mindset to do that, then working out and exercise and eating healthy and all these things become easier. But at first it's a fucking battle and it's a battle in your head, a battle in your brain. So like when I see that stuff like online and people doing that, oh man, dude, it's sometimes it can bring a tear to my eye. Just even thinking about it. Yeah, man, it's it, it's it's exactly you know what you said, and the only reason I bring it up is like I said, not to not to compare stories, but just to just to, to say that I know you know kind of what you were going through as far as you had to hate it to change it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you had to get to mm-hmm. a point to where you hated it so much uh, to to really make it change. Yeah. Um, it's easy to get comfortable about- too, right? It's easy to get yeah, comfortable, yeah, yeah. and and like that's why I was saying about what you're willing to let yourself do because. If something happens all of a sudden, you might be like, no, I'm not tolerating that. I wouldn't tolerate that. But when it slowly happens, you slowly get used to things. And the next thing you know, you're doing behaviors that you never would have thought was acceptable, right? But since it slowly happened, it just kind of slowly creeps up. And eventually you become, I guess, stagnant and you become tolerant of it. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're singing my song, man. You're, uh, this is, this is awesome. Um, yeah, you're, you're singing my song. Let's talk about one of the things that I've always respected you for. Um, so I I'm, I'm an office worker. I sit at a desk and I do uh-huh. office things. I've got three monitors at my desk, uh, which means that I've got two monitors for work and I've got one monitor for YouTube and music and stuff like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I've always admired about you is that you, you consistently release content. Um, and it's always unique content. It's always cool content. I don't know what your schedule is, but it seems like almost every damn day I pop up and there's something new um, from from you. And whether it's something that, you know, I like to watch, like, you know, I have obviously my preferences in the knife community to where I don't really care much about um, like high end High end, uh, and this is going to sound bad anyway that I say it, but high end knives that aren't made in the U.S. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, I get it. Any, I got plenty anything, of them. <laughs> yeah, anything over like a 300 price range, uh, I don't. I'm not just a huge. I'm like, well, if I'm going to spend that much money, I'm going to spend it here in the U.S. And so yeah. the point is that you're always releasing something, whether it's something yep. that I'm super into or not. You're always releasing something, and I always make sure that I watch it because I just have a giant respect uh, for the ability to constantly come up and create new and creative content. Tell me a little bit um, about that grind. And do you think that um, if, how do I put this? Uh, Do you think that 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 grind, do you think you could be doing what you were doing uh, at this level of success with YouTube without that grind? How how big of a part uh, do you think it plays in in just grinding your ass off to do uh, the YouTube stuff? So, just to, to give you a little background, I, like I said, did construction my whole life. So my brain on hard work meant like n- nearly dying 
every day at work. Like I couldn't tell you all the accidents I've seen. Like I said, my dad wound up being coming paralyzed. Um, I, I've seen the craziest stuff on the job and I was always the type of person that would do the hard job. So blisters every day, your feet bleeding, um, being soaking wet and still pushing through being so hot. You feel like you're being cooked on a wall or maybe doing roofing. So the, the, my tolerance for hard work was so big and so high that doing the work was the easy part because I was so used to like real hard labor, the stressful part and the bad part, which is, this is where I stepped out of my, my bubble is like I said, I didn't know computers. I didn't know internet, didn't know editing, didn't know anything. And I am not good with it. I am like, I know it looks like I'm good with it now because I practice so much, but I'm talking about like, I get violent because I get so frustrated, (laughs) right? You know, like I'm used to hitting a nail with a hammer, you know, pounding it in pushing buttons is just something like I have no tolerance for it. So luckily my lovely wife, Kara, this is where, you know, my lovely wife, Kara comes in, helped me so much to be able to learn, figure things out, you know, because like I said, I didn't know computers at all. I didn't know Instagram, nothing. Um, You know, like with my phone, the only thing I knew how to do was take a call and text. That's it. Like nothing else. So I had to learn everything. And that was the hard part was the learning because it was easy for me to learn things by hand, but it was difficult for me to learn things like online, you know, it's, it's different. You know what I mean? Like, like yes, sir. climbing up a ladder and, and hang, hang, you know, some, some shingles or something is a lot different than sitting in a chair and reading and, and you know, trying to put the things, you know, to the test. And it, it, uh, it was very frustrating, but I told myself though, like, I just, I, I get this and I think every man should do this and, and you know, I think it's so important for men to, to have good self-talk. And I think you can accomplish anything. I truly, truly believe this. If you just talk to yourself a certain way in your brain, you can accomplish anything. So the things I was saying to myself, like I was literally building myself up, like literally like, like almost being like the biggest cheerleader for myself. Like you can do this, you know, you're going to work harder than anybody. And like, just saying these things to myself every day, day in and day out. Like when I'd wake up in the morning, I'd hear, get to work, pussy. Like, that's what I'd tell myself, right? And I'd get right to work. And then, like, when I felt like quitting, you know, I'd sit there and talk to myself and tell myself, like, how I'm not a quitter. Keep pushing, keep pushing. And it made it to where I was creating so much content. And I still am. I tried to create is because I figured that, you know, you might be able to work. You might be able to do better videos than me, but you're not going to be able, you're not going to work harder, right? So if I put in... 10 times more work than you, then I got to get results. Right. And that's not necessarily true, you know, but, but I at least felt like it. So I put in the work and it actually did pay off. It did pay off, but you have to learn the whole time. So luckily that's one thing I was doing was evolving the whole time. I didn't stay doing the same thing. Like I continued to evolve and then just continue putting more and more work into evolving. And even now, even now I'm changing the way I'm doing things on the channel again for like the 10th time. Because I, I figured things out on YouTube that if I knew in the beginning, it would have I would have been 10 times as successful if I would have known what I know now. Remember, I started from nothing, literally nothing like and I know everybody starts at zero, but I mean, zero understanding of YouTube, zero understanding of editing, zero understanding of computers. I didn't even know how to turn a damn computer on, let alone work on it, you know, so learning all that now that i understand the algorithm i understand youtube i understand thumbnails and titles and this and that and i understand how it works and i also understand what it takes to grow a successful channel 
that's why I'm probably going to wind up starting another channel too. Cause I'd like to see what I could do with a channel from zero again, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, but yeah, man, I, I post every single day, at least once, if not twice a day. And, um, and I work, there's times I'm working 12, 14 hour days. I, I used to put in like 14 to 16. Now, you know, I'm mostly doing about eight to 12 hours a day. So, but sometimes I wake up till I go to sleep. Like I'm working, I'm editing, recording, posting, going through social media stuff. Cause I, have, cause I have to be communicating with everybody too. You know, so many emails, Kara, my lovely wife, she, uh, she's doing this full time now too. She works for Neves Knives. She does all the networking and um, social media stuff like messages and stuff. So, and then she also That's... has been helping me do uh, thumbnails and stuff. So putting her to work. That's awesome, man. No, that, that is, that is so cool. And it's so inspirational to hear that, especially as somebody that's, um, you know, I started from zero, not, not that low, you know, not that level of zero, um, as far as not knowing even, uh, what to do with computers. That's, that's so wild and so inspirational that you, that you were able to just to, like I, said, I can't believe I'm here. It's yeah. crazy that I'm here. It's crazy that I'm even doing this. Like if you would have t- asked yeah. me 10 years ago, if you'd have told me I was going to be a YouTuber 10 years ago, I would have laughed and bet everything I owned at that. <laughs> That's Seriously. awesome, man. You know, no, that is so cool, dude. This, this is so much, I got so much more than what I thought uh, was going to happen. <laughs> I need glad. to tune into your, I need to tune into your lives more, man. I know you've probably talked about a lot of this and, and that was something I was going to talk about is every time I have tuned into the lives, you know, when you, when you expect to, to watch a live, um, a stream, sorry, that's what I'm thinking. The, the streams, uh, when you expect to, to watch a live stream about knives, you know, you open it thinking that you're going to hear about what knives, right? Yeah. Um, I would say that I've probably opened because they're, I think they're on Wednesdays or something like that, aren't they? Yeah. Wednesdays and Saturdays. Yeah. Yeah. So on the Wednesday lives, you know, occasionally my wife will have to work in the, in the evening and I'll sit down on the couch and I'll turn on like a movie and then I'll turn on like uh, one of your streams. And I've done that probably six or seven times. I would say at least five times that I've turned it on. The subject Mm -hmm. has not been knives and (laughs) that's, that's, that's not disappointing. That's, I always thought it was cool that, you know, I would come in and y'all were talking about politics or you were talking about, um, you know, personal development, stuff like that. And, you know, unfortunately, I guess I never stuck around long enough to hear some of these stories, but well, um, I do story it, time usually at night. So if so people can understand, um, I do lives Wednesdays and Saturdays at 730 Central, 730 p.m. Central to about 930 uh, Central Time. And at nine o'clock, I usually do story time. So I try to talk about other stuff, too, not just knives. Like I talk about other EDC stuff, like other everyday carry stuff, whether it's clothing, boots, wallets, belts. Um, I talk about fragrances, um, you know, things like that. But then I also go into at nine o'clock, I usually go into story time. Now there's a lot of times I skip it because, you know, just the flow is going a certain way and I'm answering questions, but I try to do story time every time at nine o'clock. And because of my past, I, from the start, from the time I started the channel, I was very honest with my past, like, because I didn't, because I knew this would happen. I knew that somebody would pull up my record if I never said nothing and post it in the comments. And that's exactly what happened. It did eventually happen. So, and I knew it was going to happen. So that's why when it happened, I laughed about it. Like, ah, yeah. Joke on you. Everybody knows. You yeah. Know? Jokes so, on you. Everybody's yeah. everybody knows. Right. So. so, so I just made sure I told everybody where I come from, what I've done my past so that there's no surprise, you know, what you're getting. And, um, 
and they respect it and they respect it. And the thing is, is a lot of people, man, you wouldn't believe how many people have a similar story to me. Like, yep. not like maybe like the crime, but like, you know, what, whether it's addiction or maybe grow up poor or, or maybe even none of those things, but they just, you know, like they, they, they relate in some way, shape or form. Cause there's so many other ways you can relate, you know, like, um, like you said, you know, like with your weight journey, I mean, dude, that's amazing. I fucking love hearing that shit because I think it's so important for us to spread that message, you know, like to, to get at it, you know, like if there's something you're not happy about in your life, get after it, get after it now. And I tried to do this to myself. Like I tried talking to my 80 year old self all the time. Like, what would you at 80 years old say to yourself now? Like if you were talking to yourself, you know what they would say, you know, exactly yeah. what yourself would tell you to stop doing and start doing, you know it. So it's not like it's a mystery, right? It's not a mystery what you would tell yourself. So do that, do exactly what yourself tells you to do, to stop doing and to start doing. Man, that's, that's so good. The last, the last question I have is, uh, Let's talk about influential um, figures throughout your transition. Uh, you know, you mentioned that your wife, that you and your wife were partners in in coming out of addiction, uh, you know, helped dig each other out of that hole. Was there anybody else in your life that um, helped through that transition? I've got a whole list of people uh, that I've got to write thank you notes to um, eventually for helping me uh, get to where I want to go. What about you? Did you have anybody that was super influential and not even somebody that maybe you knew personally? Um, you say a lot of... Uh, you say a lot of things that, you know, are Jocko-esque or Jordan Peterson-esque. Um, you know, you've got the right idea on a lot of these things. Was there anybody yeah. that kind of helped you through some of that? Or was well, it just yourself grinding? And I, out? Definitely, I definitely listened to those guys. I definitely listened to, like, uh, Jordan Peterson, you know, Jocko. And I have many other people that I listen to that, you know, like I said, I try to find like-minded people. I don't want to turn something on and hear a weak-minded individual uh, sit there and become a, a fucking victim. Like, I'm not a victim in any way, shape or form. Right. So I want to, to be somebody I'd rather have the story of, you know, uh, working hard and dominating things and overcoming things. That's that's and I think it's important that we go through bad things. So like all the crazy bad shit that I've been through, which is horrendous stuff like that, that's in some in a lot of cases, it's a good thing because by overcoming challenging and hard things, it helps you be tougher for the future and people around me though like i have i have a huge family so i have a lot of people around me but uh my wife's uh parents she helped they helped a lot i have a sister she's so awesome she she you know she helped um but i i do think and i know what you were talking about like like with influence i was listening and i did surround myself and i think everybody should do this like i surrounded myself with the types of my like the types of minds, like the people in general that I wanted to, to develop and not only develop, but because I already had that mindset. So I needed these types of people to like, tell me to get off my ass, stop doing this, start doing this, quit doing this. And you know, whether it was like Jordan Peterson or whoever. So I think it's important to, to surround yourself all day with, with positive reinforcement to become better. You know, because if you have that, like if you're constantly watching things that are that's evil or that that's that's negative, it's just going to bring you down. But if you're constantly watching things that encourage you to be a better man and to be stronger and to, to be a good father or a good husband or, you know, whatever, you're going to probably do that, too. You know, so 
thing. It's good to surround yourself. So I did do that. Yeah, I surrounded myself with a lot of great people and a lot of great minds uh, and just took it all in. And yeah. That's awesome. Last question I think I have, man. Last last main topic that um, I think I have that I, I think needs to be addressed, uh, you know, because of the nature of the episode. Tell me a little bit about uh, your tell me a little bit about your uh, life uh, as a Christian and how you became a Christian. Um, I just got the dreaded battery low signal in my headphones. I hope to God they don't die. So I grew my, my mother's uh, religious. So I grew up in the church, um, you know, in actually the town that I was born and raised in, it's actually a religious town, even though it's an absolute ghetto, it has like tons of churches all through the, the entire city. So, there was a lot of churches and it's actually, if you, if you look it up, the history of it is all, you know, like founded on Christianity and stuff. But anyways, you know, that obviously didn't have nothing to do with me, but it's just fun fact. But um, I was raised in the church. Um, so I was always, you know, I went to church when I was a kid. Um, and then even though like now I don't go to church or anything, I still, you know, hold true to those values and, you know, still have my beliefs. And, you know, I, um, I think that it's a great, guideline or i don't know i don't know the word for it it's like a great map to how to like basically how to how to see the world and how to do things and how to get the best out of life because if you are doing those positive things you know like with people and just like just being a good person and you know every every religion has that right every religion has a lot of the same things and if you are that type of person right a good person doing good things then i think you're gonna get good things back you know uh, at least for the most part, obviously you're always going to have things to overcome, but it's kind of like that saying goes, um, how does it go? It goes, um, like I asked God for strength, right? So he gave me hard things to do, right? You yes. think he's, you're just going to swell up and become strong. No, no. That means he's going to give you hard shit to do so that you can become strong. So I think we've all prayed for these things. And, you know, so when you do get those hard things and those tough things, you know, take it on the chin and, 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 you know, handle it because that's, what's going to make you come out the other end stronger. That's awesome, man. That's, that's, this has been so cool. Um, just getting to hear your story. I, like I said, I know it's, it's, it's lit a fire under me. Um, just listening to it in real time. I can't imagine what it's going to do, uh, for other people. And I appreciate you stepping out. I know you do a lot of this stuff on your lives now that we've talked. I, I didn't know that beforehand, but um, I appreciate you stepping out outside of, uh, I don't know if this is outside of your comfort zone. You seem to be pretty comfortable, but I guess what I'm saying yeah. is I appreciate you giving me your time um, oh, and man, coming no somewhere that, you know, we didn't, you didn't know who I was uh, until about what, a couple of days ago. Um, and so, yeah, but when I heard, when I, when you told me, um, about you know, like, you know, advocating for men and stuff, you know, I was all in because I am like, I am like the biggest supporter of men. Like I, I want men to succeed so bad. I see so many, I, and I don't want to disrespect nobody, but I see so many weak minded men and, and also young, young men that don't have good father figures that don't have any father figure at all. So, you know, like, like me as a kid, I went on a life of crime. And I think that's what could happen. Did it die? One second. Give me one second. Okay. You can go no ahead. Problem, no problem. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. But um, what I was saying was that yeah, I went down, obviously, a life of crime. But I had a father figure. I did. If I wouldn't have, 
if I wouldn't have had a father figure, I promise you, I would have gotten involved in gangs. I would have been in way more trouble. Like I started getting arrested at the age of 13. I would, it would have been like, and I never went to juvie, but I was getting arrested and not a jail and stuff. I absolutely would have went to juvie and probably, probably would have killed somebody before I was 18. Um, if I didn't have a father. So I think it's in, you know, I said, you know, my dad was the way he was, but he was also a good father. Like he taught you to work hard and be strong and, you know, take care of the people around you and to treat women good. And, you know, he, you know, he instilled that, that stuff in me. So I think there's a lot of uh, young men out there that don't have that right now at all, at all. And they're looking to role models that are not role models. They're not good role models. And I think it's up to the strong men in society to change that, to turn that around and give them somebody, give them a place to be, right? Give them a place to listen to. And, you know, kind of like a Jordan Peterson, right? Like he's such a blessing to, to this world, like Jordan Peterson, the things he does and says and advocates for men. I mean, like, it's amazing. So I, you know, I want to do that too. Like, I'd love to to be there no matter what, you know, for men and, you know, help them in any way, shape or form and hopefully encourage, you know, you know, better behaviors and for men to become stronger and not weak minded, man, because it's crazy how weak some of these, some men are right now. And, you know, whether it's your fault or not, right. It's only you who can do something about it now, you know? Yes, sir. No, I, I like that a lot. Let's, uh, let's talk about your, uh, what, what's next? I just want to get a, a couple thoughts from you on what's next. Do you plan to have a family? Do you plan to be that kind of father figure? Uh, what, what is next for, uh, Jared and his lovely wife, Kara? How did, what's next? We, we do want to have children. So that, that is obvious. She's not, she's a lot younger than me, by the way. So, so we have time, um, uh, you know, cause you know, having babies and stuff, you know, you have a time, time gap, but, uh, but we have plenty of time. So we definitely want to have kids. We definitely want to have children. We um, are building this business right now. I want to build it as big as possible. I'd love to be a millionaire. So I'm going to continue working and busting my ass off until, not not when, until. Like I'm just going to continue to do it until. So I plan on growing it as big as possible. I'd like to start another channel as well. So I'd like to have multiples going, um, you know, and then possibly even start other little small businesses and stuff um, and grow an empire as big as possible, you know, as much as possible. Like I said, I lost a lot. So I want to build a lot back. I want to get a lot back. You know, I lost a lot of time. So, you know, if I wouldn't have lost that time, I couldn't imagine where I could possibly be right now. But because I lost that time, you know, it's um, I won't get it back. So I got to work overtime in order to get that back you know, sort of speak. Right. So I'm going to continue working hard and, you know, um, and love my lovely wife, Karen. She's going to continue to help. And hopefully we are able to grow a very successful business. It's already been really good. So it's already pretty successful, but hopefully, or I know not hopefully this is just the start of it. So this is only the beginning, right? Everybody, you know, talks about like, you know, where we've taken it. It's like, this is just the start. So talk to us in five years. So awesome, man. So awesome to hear. Um, <laughs> this is just so cool. Uh, you're, you're, you're a giant among men, sir. Go ahead and, uh, give us your socials. Let other people know where to find you. 
So you can find me at Neves Knives, N-E-E-V-E-S Knives. You can find find me on all social medias or well, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We don't really do anything on Facebook, but you'll see us post there because it just automatically posts. But we're mostly on YouTube and Instagram. I do want to start a couple other platforms like TikTok and things like that. And like I said, I am going to possibly start another channel. Um but, uh, but yeah, no, Neves Knives on YouTube. You can find us. We do lives every Wednesday and Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Other than that, then we, we post at least once a day, but in many cases, twice a day. Awesome. Yeah, everybody, please go check out uh, Jared. I, I, I didn't, I would have told him this even before I heard your story, but now that I heard your story, number one, I was completely sold on you and what you're doing and uh, a full supporter. But now that I know your story, man, and now that, it's just so inspirational. Go, go give this guy all the support you can. I hope that um, I, I'm doing, I hope to do uh, anything that I can to help you build your empire. Um, and even if that's just supporting and sharing what you've got going on, because I appreciate I, that. <laughs> this, this is just um, what you've got going on is so awesome and so inspirational. So everybody, please go check him out on YouTube. I promise you um, that the content is interesting. And, uh, if you have any interest in things at all, mechanical things at all, just go watch some knife videos. I mean, they're super cool. I really dig them. If you know me, you know that I carry around about $400 worth of knives every single day. Um, I teach know. knife sharpening too on the channel. So if anybody wants yes. to learn how to sharpen a knife, I'm a professional knife sharpener. I have hundreds of videos on teaching and breaking knife sharpening down, down to the science. Yeah, so. you do. Yeah, that's that's a resource that I'm still trying to dive into on your channel because I, I have a precision adjust, the original precision adjust uh -huh. uh, that made everything really easy. Uh, yeah. But I want to get into uh, the freehand knife sharpening. And yeah, he really does. And I know I know some people that are going to listen to this, that if I pulled your knife out of your pocket, uh, I would be disgusted because it is so dull. So yeah. please. Please yeah. go watch his channel and sharpen your knives uh, because I'm tired of doing it for you. Uh, obviously, I will do, I will sharpen in your knives because I've got buddies that I sharpen their knives for. Yeah, yeah. Go learn how to do it yourself. Uh, but no, man, this is this has been so cool. I hope to have you on again in the future. You're just I a wealth it. of wealth of knowledge and a wealth of uh, uh, inspiration for the young men out there that um, we're trying to reach. So, Jared, if you don't mind, I'm going to wrap this up and then I'm going to stop the recording. And if you don't mind staying around afterwards, I need a few things from you. So. Yep. Awesome, guys. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Sunday portion of the Purpose Podcast. Tune in again uh, on Wednesday for One Flesh. Uh, and so, yeah, this this was an awesome episode. Jared was really, really cool. Uh, this Again, I, I can't even believe the people that I'm getting to talk to uh, now that I've got this thing going. Um, I've looked up to Jared for a long time uh, without knowing any of his story. And I think this goes to show if you take one lesson out of this, uh, obviously there was plenty in the episode from Jared, but another lesson is don't ever, I guess, underestimate the people that you could talk to. Um, a lot of people in my space or, you know, the personal development space, they're constantly, um, looking towards the Jockos and the, and the Jordan Petersons and stuff like that. They constantly are trying to get, uh, these people who are in this certain lane onto their podcast or have conversations with people who are in a certain lane. And one thing that I found, and this podcast is just proof of it, is that everybody has a story that you can find benefit from. And a lot of them, um, just the amount of benefit that I found from people who um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't who I thought they were. You know what I'm saying? Um, it wasn't who I thought they were. So if you're listening to this, um, please never underestimate somebody and what their story is. Always look at it from 
what can I learn from this person and always have open conversations with people because you never know. Uh, you really never know. And this was such, such an awesome experience. So anyway, guys, um, tune into the next one and hope to have Jared on again. Thanks.